Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Brandcom. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. Welcome, Elon, to your NHL real regular season debut. We had the little fake out after those games overseas in Czechia with San Jose and Nashville. Then I had an awesome time with Steve Laidlaw last week, but I'm very happy to have you back in the co-host chair for this episode where we are going to rip through as much as we can for what's happened in fantasy hockey over the last week and I, I'm with you, Elon. Like, in fantasy hockey, step one is identifying the trend. Step two is actually doing the right thing about it. And I definitely lost my matchup this week because of the decisions I chose, the, the things I chose not to do for whatever reason. It was just wrong decision after wrong decision. And it happens. Sometimes it's a game of margins and coin flips. And uh, I am ready to talk through it with you and our listeners to try and figure out how to not do it again next week. (laughs) Okay, like, here's the thing to me. It's like, I'm in some very challenging leagues. Tier one of the kerfuffle is very hard. And so sometimes I'm like sitting there like, maybe I should add Eric Comrie. Like, he just had a really good game. Like, Buffalo's looking pretty good. Craig Anderson's, yeah, I could use that. Okay, I'm just going to go have a quick nap because I don't know if people are aware. I just had a kid, right? So I've been trying to, like, not, like, die. So, I've you know, we were, like, taking care of her. And then, like, when I get a chance, I go have it. So I'm going to have a quick nap. Then when I get up, I'm going to... And then, you know, I wake up and it's like Eric Comrie's been added. And then I'm like, oh, Mackenzie Blackwood. Oh, yeah, because I need a goalie, right? Because Philip Grubauer turned out to be terrible. So this is like sort of, I had, I've had all these ideas of like goalies I can, oh, yeah, he's, I think he's taking over the net in New Jersey. This would be, and then, okay, let me just eat because I haven't eaten in a while. Then I'm going to go and like look into this Mackenzie Blackwood idea. Boom, take it. And it's like, ah, oh! I did add Shane Pinto, Brian, though, yesterday uh, in the middle of the Sens game after I saw that Josh Norris got injured. So that's, we'll see how that works out. And actually, that'll be the first topic. Before we get to that and a lot of other things, let's mention quickly, Keeping Carlson, very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. It's your source for everything fantasy all the time right there's the articles going up that are all very useful and, and written by really smart people the daily ramblings just to give you that daily dose of the latest and greatest going on injuries outreaks hot streaks cold streaks all the stuff that we're talking about on this show plus the tools of frozen tools can't be beat i use them to prep the show so dauberhockey.com but okay with that brian let's get into this here let's uh, get to the bread and butter of keeping carlson now that we're past the off season it's the typical stuff we're going to start with some injuries to start the show then we'll meander around the league do what we can and yeah so after starting the season with a couple of losses the ottawa senators offense exploded this past week seven five and six goals versus washington boston and arizona uh, kachuk and batherson each have eight points in five games now to bring it stutzler Giroux, all with five or four so that's five of the big top six that everyone was excited for going into the season, all hitting, except Josh Norris, who has been really quiet, right? He only cashed in with one goal and one assist in those first five games. 
It turned out all the production that we were expecting from Norris was coming from the third line center, Shane Pinto, who has scored in four games in a row now. So when I was thinking about prepping the show, you know, yesterday morning, I was thinking I was going to ask you, like, what's wrong with, with Josh Norris? Like, why hasn't he picked things up? Is, is there a problem now that maybe he's not the only good center there? There's Stutzla also, or maybe the power play, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, then in that game, Norris got injured. He left with what appeared to be a wrist injury. There's an MRI scheduled. It might be nothing, right? We don't know. I don't think we've gotten an update yet. It could be a long-term thing. But in the meantime, now we've got this Shane Pinto character who was already doing really well now is likely going to get bumped into that spot with Giroux and Debrinkat. So how fast should people be rushing to add Shane Pinto? Like even if Norris wasn't injured, I'd be asking you this question, but especially now that Norris is potentially injured, is this like a must add everyone's pause the pod and go get him? Kind of. I mean, a lot of this depends on whether you're going to run and pause the pod to add Shane Pinto depends on the outlook we get from Josh Norris but if you want to go ahead and make a speculative ad and you have someone you can drop that you don't care that much about I would go ahead and do that right now if you're not familiar with Shane Pinto soon to be 22 years old he was the 32nd overall pick back in 2019 that's the year that Jack Hughes and Kapokako went one two and uh, interestingly enough Arthur Kaliev came one pick after Shane Pinto who had a successful two seasons at the University of North Dakota with uh, Jake Sanderson and Jacob Bernard Docker uh, one already playing for the Sens and one in the Sens system where uh, Pinto was amongst team scoring leaders as an 18 and 19 year old in college before turning pro putting up seven points in 12 games with the Sens to end the 2021 season And then Pinto was supposed to be a full-time NHLer last year, but had a season-ending injury just five games into the year. Uh, But Pinto has been projected to be a top-nine capable player with top six upside. And obviously, we're heartened by what we're seeing so far with four goals and five points in five games from Shane Pinto, who also straight-up looks good on the ice. He seems to know what he's doing, looks confident for a rookie. Uh, Of course, the numbers are important here to keep in mind. He has 12 shots over four games. He scored on every third shot he's taken for a 33% shooting percentage. But, I mean, who cares? If he's the next in line for a raise up the depth chart, which he is, if Josh Norris is missing extended time, I think he'd be in a great spot. If he can step anywhere into the top six, I think he can handle that role. And he could still be, uh, well, he will still be on one of the split kind of power plays that the Sens are running. There's there's no other obvious challengers for Josh Norris's place in the top six. So that's why I would say Shane Pinto is worth a speculative ad while we wait to hear on Norris, so long as it's not going to crush you if you hear that Josh Norris is going to be back playing the next game. Right. But hey, like you said, even, even if Norris does come back, Pinto might still have some value, depending obviously how deep your league is. I guess with Josh Norris, if you have him in your league, you're maybe a little bit like not too upset about this. It's kind of like with the Grubauer injury, right? I was thinking like, should I drop Grubauer? Then he's hurt. I'm like, okay, good. I could just stash him and worry about it later. With Josh Norris, he wasn't really producing. Hopefully, you know, he takes a little time. Maybe when he comes back, he'll be invigorated and, and ready to produce like everyone expected him to. So I'm sure the people who had Josh Norris aren't like too, too upset, especially if they could just grab Shane Pinto and hopefully just, you know, keep on rolling or do even better. Yeah, I'm not panicking if you have Josh Norris. Uh, Unfortunately, he has not gotten in on any of the power play goals that have been scored while he's on the ice. And at even strength at five on five, his line mates are shooting less than 6%. So, uh, you know, like these, these things will change. He's been on the ice for three power play goals. It stands to reason he should have gotten a point on one 
or two of those based on his career IPP's points participation rates to date. So this could be a good moment to buy low on Josh Norris. If you can deal anybody who's like a 60-point player for an injured Josh Norris, I'd do that. Oh, yeah. Here's a strategy for fantasy. A lot of people right now are looking, and we're going to you know, talk about all these exciting potential free agents that you might want to add. You might be looking at your team saying, man, I don't even know who to drop. Maybe you could make a trade. Instead of just dropping someone good, maybe make an offer to the Josh Norris uh, manager and say, yeah, I'll give you this guy who, you know, you were th- let's say you were thinking of dropping Blake Wheeler. I know, Brian, you recently added Blake Wheeler after he was dropped. Maybe like the person who dropped Wheeler instead could have like, you know, this is obviously the timing didn't exactly work out here, but in theory, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I know Wheeler is good, but I just, you know, I need to drop someone. I like everyone on my team, throw that trade offer. Then instead of dropping him, you get to stash someone in your IR and then you make your, the ad that you want to make. So something to consider if you, if you want to make space, maybe make your trade offers for Josh Norris now. But okay, Brian, I guess a casualty of this Norris injury, if I, whatever, Tyler Mott, I'll just mention his name. He's been playing with Pinto and he's put up two straight multi-point games to go along with his nice hit total. So in your deep bangers leagues, Mott has been good. Now he loses Pinto. I guess, I don't know who's the next center that'll come up to play with him, but I, I'm sure he wasn't someone we were going to be especially excited about anyways, but he's a guy. And then one last thing on the Sens before we move on to our next injury, Thomas Shabbat. Where's this guy been? Because like I said, the Sens have been scoring a ton of goals, including a bunch on the power play. And yet this guy, the number one power play quarterback, has just two assists in five games now. So is this a situation like with Norris where you're saying, oh, just a low IPP, expect this to turn around soon? Or should the Shabbat owners maybe start being very concerned that he's not going to be the 60-point guy we once thought he could be on this team? So I wouldn't be so deeply concerned about Thomas Shabbat. I guess it depends on what your expectations for him were. I mean, yes, his points participation is way down. Shabbat has only gotten one point on the seven goals scored while he's on the ice. So yeah, you could probably have had a couple more by now and looking very much in line to be on that 55, 60 point pace. Shabbat has, uh, you know, also gotten in on one of the team's uh, four power play goals that they've scored. He's been on the ice for half of those, two out of four. He's gotten a point on one. This is good. Like, this is honestly, aside from those low points participation rates, this is about what we expect from Thomas Shabbat, right? So those will pop up. He'll be, I think, in 55-ish, hopefully 60-point territory. But for anyone expecting, like, a huge breakout offensive performance from Shabbat, he's been in a position to do it already. Just because the top six is full now doesn't mean this is his first crack at it. And we've seen him be this 55-point player. He had a a huge sophomore season where he was a 64-point pace player. But honestly, I think I would be more comfortable expecting him to finish just below 60 points than above it. I mean... Yeah, right now I'm sure the Shabbat managers are really hoping that's like they're like that's fine, man. He could be 55 points. Just to please don't be like a 40 point guy like he's looking like at the moment. But yeah, yeah it's, it's early. Regre- regress that points participation, and he's right on track. It's oh. it's not an issue. Great buy low window for anyone who is as concerned about Shabbat as Elon is. Oh. Is, is suggesting some people are. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not concerned. I guess that's the yeah. point of the show. I'm going to bring up some cold streaks, and the whole idea is you're going to tell us whether we should be concerned and drop the person or like try to sell them but while they still have some value or whether it's a it's a buy right so yes you're it sounds like you're saying shabbat don't worry about it another injury we don't really know the extent of but it looks like it's not too serious so i don't know maybe we don't have to talk too long about it but jake gensel took an elbow to the head from brandon the mu in a game versus la so hopefully he's not out long amazing start to the year for gensel five points in four games in his absence danton heinen jumped to the top line with crosby and raquel versus columbus and heinen went off a couple of goals both assisted by crosby of course so i you know 
I'm going to give Crosby a lot of the credit there, but who cares, right? Danton Heinen uh, really contributing in that spot, unlike Raquel, who actually had a quiet game versus Columbus there when Pittsburgh scored six goals. But yeah, like Pinto, Heinen was already off to a good start even when he was lower in the lineup. He had four points in four games before he got onto the top line. Uh, Gensel's top power play spot was taken by Ricard Raquel on Saturday. No points, though, for him. And I'm seeing that in practice recently, he was bumped off the top power play. Uh, If you go to gamedaytweets.com, you can look at the like tweets of line combinations from beat writers, which is our, I think my favorite source. And, and it's uh, Shams and I that are retweeting all of these tweets and they get organized per team. And yeah, the Penguins had a new combination on the power play today. Josh Getzoff tweeted Penn's top power play minus Gensel was going Petrie joining the tanks so with two defensemen and then Crosby, Malkin and Russ. So that's obviously not great for Ricard Raquel. Uh, so Brian, let's say you're in a you know shallower league. Gensel is hurt for now. Raquel's available. Heinen's available you're, you're making a short-term ad who, who are you who should we be more excited about if any like or you could just tell me like forget about Hayden, but i'd be a little bit concerned about what raquel hasn't done lately and him getting bumped from that top power play even though he wasn't supposed to be there in the first place Okay, let's talk for a moment about both of them. By the way, the latest we've heard as of recording time here is that Jake Gensel could play on the upcoming Penguins road trip. That's according to Taylor Haas on Twitter. Um, but I, uh, as far as Danton Heinen, this is this is going to turn into a Sidney Crosby appreciation moment. I will take anyone playing with Sidney Crosby right now, as, as we always have. Crosby is going wild so far this season. He is tied for second in the NHL scoring race, averaging two points per game, three goals, seven assists, and 10 points in five games played, and also unleashing the shots on goal. 18 shots after five games. That's a rate we've never seen from Crosby over a full season before. So I'm curious to see this is just like a temporary spike or if it holds somehow, I wouldn't put it past Sidney Crosby to reinvent himself in some way in, in this, what is it, age 34 season. Um, Pittsburgh is shooting 17% when Crosby's on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, thanks is 27%, and Gensel's 18% 5-on-5 five five shooting percentages. So, you know, obviously a little over producing here, but it's still really exciting, and Heinen... Being on that line instead of Gensel downgrades the line, but Sid looks like a world beater at the moment. And as I mentioned, as we have through his career, I have interest in the guy who's playing with him. And right now, at least for a game or two, it might be Danton Heinen. And then Ricard Raquel, he's gotten a point on just one of the nine five-on-five goals he's been on the ice for. So you're going to hear, similar to what I said about Norris and Shabbat, he should have been in on more of the goals, and I think the reason he wasn't is not because he sucks or he's not involved. It's just not happening. And Raquel should be getting in on more goals because he's on the ice more often at 5-on-5 five five this season than he ever has been before in his career. He's taking four shots per game, which is like the peak Raquel we've been waiting to see since he started doing this way, way back in Anaheim. It's a bit risky, Elon, but I would consider buying low on Ricard Raquel if you have a chance to swing it at the right price because he's doing so poorly, but he's in a great spot in the lineup. I don't know what the power play one situation is going to shake out as, but if you can send over someone who's maybe projected for about 55 points and take that chance that Raquel could regain that top power play spot, crush it with regular points participation on Crosby's wing, I think you could be really happy with the season he's about to have. So Elon, if I was choosing between Raquel and Heinen, I would take 
Raquel, but I'm not thumbing my nose at Heinen for as long as Gensel's out because I will take anyone playing with Crosby. Yep, totally makes sense to me. Uh, let's move on now to the Detroit Red Wings, who have suffered some bad injury news. So Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be out four to six weeks with a hand injury. Then not an injury, but Jakob Verana has entered the player assistance program, so he's going to probably be out for a while. Best of luck to him. Uh, so Ben and Lewis already covered this on the last Short Shifts episode. I hope people have been enjoying our suite of episodes for the season of Keeping Carlson. We've got us doing our mega shows on Sundays. Uh, I guess that gets released Monday morning. You got Dave Benton's stream scheme, which was already released today to tell you about the schedule for next week. And then, of course, every Wednesday morning and Friday morning, you've got a short shifts jumping in your feed or dropping in your feed, I should say, to talk about just the latest because we don't know wait, right? And hopefully people didn't wait after they t- heard Ben and Lewis talk about this Bertuzzi injury uh, and the new lineups because if they waited, they probably waited too long because Dominic Kubalik got the best opportunity out of this situation. He jumped to the first line, the top power play, and man, Kubalik has been on fire. He had four shots and a goal and an assist in the 4-3 overtime loss to Chicago on Friday. That brought him to five points in four games. And when I was preparing this show, uh, the game today versus Anaheim hadn't happened yet, but I'm just looking right now. Detroit beat Anaheim today on Sunday, 5-1 to one and Kubalik. I'm guessing there's oh one goal, two assists, six shots. Oh my God. So goes without, forget about Shane Pinto. Shane, like, he's nothing compared, in my opinion, right, you can tell me if I, you disagree, to Dominic Kubalik, who's on the top power play. He's playing with Larkin. He's play, like, you know, what, what do you want, okay? He's crushing it. He was good once. Remember when he came to Chicago and out of nowhere he was producing and then sort of last year Chicago just buried him and, and that was kind of it. He didn't get to play with Kane. He didn't get to play with anybody. Uh, but now he's getting to play with all the best boys. So I think people need to go and get Kubalik if somehow he's still out there. Absolutely. Last week, we were so close, Elon, Steve, and I, to saying, go, like, to, we were right on the doorstep. We were like, well, Kubalik seems to be replacing Bertuzzi at the end of this game, that Bertuzzi was injured, and maybe you're interested, but we'd seen that he had one shot over his first two games combined. And we were like, eh, okay, maybe wait and see. Like, watch Kubalik, but don't run to him. I wish we had said run to him, because, yeah, he has been gangbusters. Three consecutive multi-point games, 13 shots over those games, too. He's always been a tough guy to predict, as you mentioned, Elon, like that first rookie season. He scored 30 goals in 68 games on a 20% shooting percentage, and I think he's probably a 10% shooter on average. And then the next season, he had a, a good season at a regular shooting percentage. And as you mentioned, he got buried in the last year in, in Chicago. So this year in Detroit, now that he's back in the top six, I'm open to him working out. And uh, like you said, I would take him before Pinto just because we know Bertuzzi's out for, what is it, three to five weeks still? There's still four to six. Um, We don't know how long Norris is out. So if they're both available, I'd pause the pod. I'd go get Dom Kubalik right now and then think about uh, Pinto as uh, as the next choice down the down the ranking priority list. Yeah, we're going to do a bunch of cold streaks at some point in this episode, so we'll give you some options of potential drops. By the way, Detroit's been running some really wild uh, power plays recently. Uh, in today's game versus Anaheim, I'm seeing for the majority of the game, it was Perron, Larkin, Kubalik, Oscar Sunkvist, and Philip Hironik on the top power play. Though Moritz Sider yeah. assisted on a power play goal, but still, if you look at the total time on ice, Hironik had more than Sider. So maybe they shifted things around a little bit at some point. And then, yeah, so that left uh, Lucas Raymond for power play two. That's a bummer if you have Lucas Raymond and you're expecting to, him to have more power play time than Oscar Sunkvist. Sorry, I guess that's not the case currently. And I don't think it's going to change anytime soon considering the Red Wings are on a bit of a roll. They just beat uh, Anaheim. Uh, five They did lose to Chicago, I think, like, like I said. So that's probably not very good. But either way, uh, yeah, that's the current situation. And Moritz Sider 
nice that he got that assist today because that was his first point of the season. This is a guy who everyone was falling over themselves to draft this year because of how well he did last year and all of his peripheral contributions. Uh, he had five blocks today also in this game. He's still like getting the most time on ice uh, for the team. So I don't know. It's a tough situation. He's not on the top power play for now. He probably will get back there. I think Ben and Lewis were saying they expected any time that can change. I tend to agree. So I don't know. It's a bummer if you drafted him super high. I feel like you're probably wishing you just drafted Rasmus Dahlin, who you could have gotten so much later, and he's not like the biggest star in the world. Uh, but I don't think I would be like panicking too much if I have Dahlin, especially if it's a multi-category league. I'm curious to know what you think. It's really unfortunate that Cider... I th- Ilan, I think you just said if you have Dahlin in a multi Well, that was a mistake. I meant Cider. By the way, <laughs> okay. Okay, normally keeping Carlson a super smooth show, except uh, life circumstances are going to make it that we're probably not going to do as many tight edits as normal. So bear with us if you hear a few more mistakes that haven't been cleaned up in post. But yes, Brian, I meant, uh, yes, Moritz Cider. I'd be bummed, but I still would not drop him. I'd maybe buy low. I- well, yeah. I Sorry, you wouldn't drop him or you wouldn't buy low? Sorry, I wouldn't drop him and I'd maybe buy low. Yeah, I think the idea of a buy low is at least worth exploring here for Moritz Sider. There's a couple caveats. Of course, the chief one is that power play situation you mentioned where Detroit, they're not even quite splitting their top units. There is a one and two where Larkin and Perron are together on one right now and Sider and Raymond are on the other. And it seems to be like a 60-40, best case 55-45 split. Like, they know their preferred unit is the Larkin unit. Um, and, of course, there's no Bertuzzi or Verana for now, so we have to wait until either one is back before figuring out if anything changes when they are. Also, by the way, a sidebar, this makes Philip Ronick valuable. Uh, coming into today's game, he had three points, including two power play points in... Uh, I don't know if I'm counting tonight's numbers, but in f- in four games. So that was a, a really good start to the season for Hronik. Another power couple, play assist today. There you go. A couple hits and a couple shots a night also for Hronik. So he's someone who should not be available in most in any format, actually. I think I would be very happy to roster Philip Hronik this year, which is not something we've been able to say on any consistent basis in the past. Anyway, that's one caveat for Sider. The other is that he's actually seeing, it seems like he's seeing a smaller role at five on five compared to last year. He's down two minutes a night, though that may change if Friday's, uh, Friday he played 26 minutes. Uh, tonight he was back down to 21. Well, I guess they five. have Ben Sherratt now. I wonder if Sherratt's eating into his time a little well, bit. Well, they're a pair. Oh, okay. Well, so I don't know then. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Maybe they maybe they saw him fade towards the end of last year. Maybe they have a, a, a fuller blue line, but and they don't need to lean on him as much. But aside from those two things, everything else looks good for Cider. I mean, can he repeat his 50-point pace in a split power play situation at best, where Cider's apart from his team's arguably two best power play weapons? I don't know. I really, I actually, I don't think so. Because last year, Cider notched 21 power play points to help him get to 50 points. I got to imagine that number shrinks at least a little in his present situation. So I, if you're going to buy low, I wouldn't unreservedly buy low. I'd be careful that you're not doing the same thing that the person who drafted Cider in your league probably did, which is jump a little high uh, than a little higher than they should have for Cider. So keep that in mind. But you might want to go kick tires, see what's going on. Because if uh, he ever does get on the top power play, then Cider, I, I would consider him easily a 50 plus point player. 
Yeah, he's so good. But I guess Detroit, I don't know, they're doing well. So I'm not going to like argue with them and say that they're doing something wrong. They're 3-0-2. They haven't lost in regulation yet. So good for them. Uh, oh, by the way, I'll just mention Andrew Kopp, someone who was getting drafted in some leagues. Total snoozer. I think uh, another pointless game today, even though Detroit scored five. I'm sure no one uh, listening needs to know that. I don't even... I, I, Brian, I'll, yes or no question. Should people now be like thinking of grabbing Andrew Kopp or are we forgetting about him? Why? Yeah, exactly. Why? <laughs> I don't know. There's gonna be. Su- there's gonna. We're gonna. I'm gonna talk to you about some players at the end that are have hardly any points that you're gonna be like, yes, go get them right away. Cider was one of them before today, but uh, yeah, not Andrew Kopp. So he was good before. He had a couple good years in Winnipeg and, and, and on the Rangers. He was in a really good spot and produced last year. But anyway, Brian. Next up, we're going to go to the team that beat Detroit a couple days ago, the Chicago Blackhawks. Talk about some injuries and situations there. So we'll get to that in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back. And Brian, yeah, we're talking about injuries here and some other things as we go, as we do on Keeping Carlson. And uh, yeah, speaking of Detroit's loss to Chicago, the Hawks started that game with Petr Mrazek in net, who hasn't been that good, uh, or at least he wasn't in that game, right? He led in three goals on 18 shots. And then Mrazek left the game late in the second with a groin injury. Then Alex Stalock came in and shut the door for the rest of the way. He stopped 10 and the Hawks came back for the win. So that must have been an exciting game. Today, Alex Stalock got the game versus Seattle. Did not go as well for him. Uh, he led in four goals on 34 shots. But you know what? That was enough to win again. Look at Chicago. All of a sudden, not the complete worst team. Like Teams like Vancouver are making a case that maybe they're worse than Chicago, which is not something that I was expecting going into this year. But yeah, Chicago's now 3-2, and two, believe it or not, after this win over Seattle, who was playing their backup goalie in Martin Jones, who, as bad as Grubauer has been, I think with Jones is probably even worse. So that's not a great situation. Joey Decord time, I think, is what they've got to do, depending on how serious this Grubauer injury is. Uh, but anyway, what are we talking about? Chicago. Yeah, so I don't know. Some leagues, you need a goalie, right? So is Alex Stalock someone that people should be going to get? Like, they've brought up this uh, prospect, Arvid Soderblom, who is now going to back up Staylock? And it could, you know, in Montreal, for example, last year, there was Jake Allen and Montebo. But then whenever Allen would be injured, like Caden Primo would come in and get the games over Montebo. It's not like just like Montebo became the starter. So is that the situation in Chicago now? Where uh, we'll find out soon. So this is all just total speculation. But are, is this the kind of situation where you're right now thinking, if I need volume, I'm just going to go ahead and get uh, Staylock, who's actually been pretty decent? Or is it like, ah, it's probably 50 50 anyways, and it's Chicago, so don't even bother? I wouldn't even bother unless you're really trying to reach your minimum starts and you don't have any other options. Alex Salak is not someone who interests me. We've seen him play well for a game or two at a time, but honestly, whether he's going to do well or not, you could flip a coin each night and it's probably weighted against Salak being successful, especially on this Chicago team. I'm really not sure, Elon, there are any or many goalies in the league I'd want if they were backstopping uh, this Chicago Blackhawks team, let alone Alex Salak, which is why, you know, even if he falters, uh, I'm not interested in picking up Arvid Soderblom either. I think this would be like a pretty sad situation to toss him into. It would remind me of the early Marc-Andre Fleury days when Pittsburgh had absolutely nothing except Fleury and he was just shelled every night in a like a tragic way. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Hey, Chicago so far doing okay they're not they're not uh, beating the the toughest teams but they also had that good remember Stalock had that great game against vegas he stopped 36 of 37 in a one nothing loss I'm not, who knows i'm not gonna put it past any goaltender to have the occasional great okay, game Stalock has a has a pretty solid career track record of not being good yeah okay so um watch list 
watch us stay locked but yeah wa- watch him if you want volume or a start you could always I, look i i actually added him in one league for a start today and i'm glad he got the win i haven't actually double checked that he earned me positive points but that's that's the risk you're gonna run that he's gonna blow up your numbers if you do decide to put him in your lineup okay so speaking of chicago we had a fun debate on our discord yesterday whether shrubby should trade chris Kreider for patrick kane so patrick kane Brutal start to the year going into today. Only one assist in four games. He's getting absolutely lapped by third liner Sam Lafferty, who going into today was leading the Blackhawks with five points in four games, two goals, three assists. I guess I could give you updated numbers now. So let's see here. Patrick Kane, two assists. Okay, that's nice. Sam Lafferty, no points. So Kane inching his way to passing Lafferty on the team's scoring lead. Kreider, by the way, only one assist in his last three games after starting the season with an assist versus Tampa, then a couple goals versus Minnesota. My advice was to stick with Kreider. You were kind of like going back and forth. I'm curious if you've landed on an answer now, if you're still kind of like, ah, but, but like, you know, Pat, Chris Kreider has, doesn't have that many shots, uh, but like Patrick Kane, he's, he used to be so yeah. good. Oh, but Chicago is such a scary situation. <laughs> well, it was very much a fiddler on the roof moment. You know, on one hand, on the other hand, on one, on the other hand, on the other hand, I, I was going back and forth. I was not being terribly helpful as I thought out loud. And the, the initial way I saw it, and I think the way I'm still going to look at it, is that Chris Kreider had an amazing season last year, way beyond expectations, and had a 78-point pace. Patrick Kane last season had a season at expectations and had a 96-point pace. Now, I know faces have left, and the Chicago team is not the same as it was when Kane did that, but they still weren't very good when Kane put those numbers up in the first place. So even if Chris Kreider can beat the odds 780-point season again, you're already accounting for a pretty big tumble from Patrick Kane for them to equalize. So all that said, though, everyone keeps reminding me how bad the Chicago team is. But today, Patrick Kane assisted on goals on the power play by Tyler Johnson and Max Domi. But does it count if they were against Martin Jones? Yeah, well, barely, right? <laughs> and he only took two shots, which is kind of like concerning. But Patrick Kane is taking two and a half shots a night on average now. Um, it's been a long time, like almost a decade since he's averaged fewer than three and a half shots a night. And this is like, we need to see what we want to see from him. He has no goals on 13 shots either. Usually based on his career numbers, he should have one. I don't know. I, I think I, I posted on Twitter because I was really stumped. We have um, about 150 responses. Chris Kreider has a 54% to 46% lead over Patrick Kane. I don't know. I really don't know. Right. I, like That's I'm okay. trying so hard, Elon, to I've been thinking about this for days. <laughs> I think I would prefer I think I'd go for it with Patrick Kane. I really do. He hey, he might get traded at some point and then all of a sudden be a star. Though sometimes yeah, players get I, traded. I saw yeah. I saw today that uh his a apparently the agent for Patrick Kane is waiting until a lot later in the season because last year Jack Eichel got traded to Vegas, right? And like sort of picked that destination, could like cleared it, and then Vegas didn't make the playoffs and Patrick Kane doesn't want the same thing to happen to him. Uh. I mean, okay, okay, you're going from Chicago, just a chance to make the playoffs is pretty nice. But yeah, I guess you want to pick, because I guess, what is he has a no trade clause that he'd have to waive? That's the situation? Yeah, he's in, he's in like full control here. All right, cool. Well, we'll see what happens. So anyways, that, that conversation was happening. Then Jacabs, another patron, jumped into that convo on our Discord and asked about Patrick Kane versus Timo Meyer. So Timo Meyer, someone drafted even higher than Kane and Kreider in a lot of leagues. In, in, in our couple, Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League draft. Meyer was getting drafted in like the top couple of rounds because of all of his shots and, and hits and just his multi-category contributions. Meyer uh, has really stunk 
<laughs> to start this season. Only two assists in seven games going into this game today versus Philly. Let's see here. We're in the second period. It's 0-0 with San Jose and Philly. So obviously Meyer doesn't have... Eh, he has two shots. Obviously no points. It's a scoreless game. Okay, so... What are, what are we doing here now? Like San Jose, similar to Chicago, not looking that great. Like I could easily be asking you this question also about Tomas Hurdle, who's really letting us down to start the year. Eric Carlson got a couple of points in the last game, so that was nice. Uh, but yeah, Timo Meyer versus Patrick Kane, two struggling guys that we expect to be good. Kane got those two assists today, though they were against Martin Jones. I don't know. Does that does that change anything for you? Right. So far, Meyer hasn't been able to score against Thomas, or no, not Thomas, Philip. Felix, Felix Sandstrom, the goalie that is playing for Philadelphia right now. So uh, what do you think about this comparison? I think I would take Timo Meyer here. And I don't know if that makes me a hypocrite or not. I, well, I would take Meyer over Kreider and I would t- take Kane over Meyer. I mean, Kreider is in the safest situation, right? We know he's on a good team and there seems to be some kind of magic around the Rangers, which, you know, you could follow your gut to that magic. Kane and Timo Meyer are on bad teams having bad years so far with very little supporting casts. But uh, yeah, I think I'd still put Kreider at the bottom. I'm going to stick with our preseason expectations for Timo Meyer on our patron cast. I cited, we had a patron cast by the way. Uh, What was it on Thursday? If you're a patron of the show, not only do you get discord access, not only do you get to uh, have uh, be eligible to manage a team in the cup fold of keeping Carlson ultimate patron fantasy league, kkupfl.com. But you also get one bonus episode a month where Elon and I answer every single question that people have asked us. And one of them was what's going on with Timo Meyer. So I cited a couple reasons on that patron cast, which you can still get if you sign up now, by the way, uh, to not consider Timo Meyer's struggles to be like an individual thing, not a five alarm type panic situation. The first reason was that San Jose hasn't been scoring, which continues to be true. Going into tonight, the Sharks have just 12 goals in seven games. And partly connected to that is the second reason that San Jose's power play has been trash. They have uh, succeeded on just two of 24 power play opportunities. So one of every 12 is not a success. They should be scoring a goal on, say, you know, two or three out of every 12 opportunities. Now, these are also kind of reflective of the team as a whole, like the Sharks do kind of stink, but they're not going to shoot an ugly 6.5% all season long. And with Meyer on the ice at 5-on-5, the Sharks are shooting just 2.5%. For context, New Jersey and Winnipeg are the only other teams as a team shooting below 8.5% total. So the Sharks are in bad shape right now. This is worse than they deserve. So there's some regression and in turn goals that are likely to come for San Jose at some point. Uh, Meyer has... Going into tonight, 29 shots in seven games. That's promising, as are most of his other numbers. One interesting thing I noticed is that Meyer's shot attempts rates remain the same, but his shot rates are down. And I'm actually wondering if teams are wise to what he does and are really keying in on him and blocking his shots. So that's something that we can keep an eye on as we head through the season. But I think Meyer doesn't make a bad buy low t- target at all. Right now, if you uh, if you have the nerve to do it, if you can deal someone you picked a few rounds later, like I was looking at our Kukupful ADP, Elon, did I mention KKUPFL.com? Can I, I ask did. something about that? On, yeah, I have a business question to ask you. Yeah. We're, we're running a business here, right? This podcast, you know, we're, we're, you kind know, of. we do it for fun, but also, you know, yeah. we, we get a little, a little something. For, for you, you always are mentioning KKUPFL.com. Like, you really want people to go to that site. I actually don't really, like, because we also have the Patreon, right? Like, and I feel like, shouldn't that be the site that we're telling people? Like, well, we don't get anything when people... Well, we it. mentioned that. The KK... The, well, the you KK, love saying KKUPFL.com. I mean, it's not, it's it's a little less shilly because we're offering resources for free for everybody oh, to sure. go access. And if you like them, 
and feel like that's worth supporting, you can come over to our okay, Patreon. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I feel okay. like people are going to get jealous. They're going to go see all the great stuff, all the fun league happening, and then it's like, yeah, can I play? No, the, the season started. Okay. <laughs> well, you there's, know, a, there's up, a handy Sign up for the wait list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a yellow banner at the top. It's very easy to follow through to our Patreon from kickupful.com. But what I was saying, looking at the, the ADP from this year's kickupful drafts, I wonder, like, people draft a, you know, a little bit later than Timo Meyer, Kevin Fiala, Elias Lindholm, and Chris Kreider, neither of whom are really setting the world on fire, so that makes it difficult. But yeah. even if they are, like, even if they're doing better, uh, if they do better before Meyer does better, I would definitely try and make something like that happen to acquire Timo Meyer. Right, yeah. I mean, the hard thing to advise is more to, like, say that to trade someone who's actually doing really well for Timo Meyer that got drafted later. Like, for example, let's say you've got, let me look at the NHL's, like, let's say Matt Zuccarello, 10 points in five games. I'm assuming you would trade him for Timo Meyer. Maybe that's too, uh, but I mean, it would probably be kind of sad uh, in the short term. Okay, how about, like, a Jason Robertson, who has seven points in five games? He was getting drafted, like, a round later. Would you trade him for Timo Meyer? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's we gotta, yeah. like, give someone someone that's actually good to offer to trade. Yeah, you're right. So I'm 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 working on bringing up the ADPs again. Like Robertson, I don't think so. I think he was drafted around later because he okay, has been. Contract. Yeah, he wasn't with with he was without a contract. Zuccarello, that's an interesting one. Like I I could be. We're going to talk about him a little later on the show. I think I could be. Can I mean I don't know if I have the nerve to do it. Right, it's one thing to say it. It's another to actually pull the trigger. Um, I'm just seeing Timo Meyer was drafted on average twentieth overall so i'm gonna look at the guys drafted like 35th and below mm -hmm. uh you've got gaudreau to bring it i would trade either of those guys for oh, timo wow. meyer johnny Andrei gaudreau seven points jo Elon? johnny gaudreau has seven points you would trade svechnikov okay wait two okay gaudreau <laughs> has seven points in seven games that's without patrick line and svechnikov is like one of the hottest guys in the league right now you would trade Svechnikov for Timo Meyer? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have that, the guts to do I, that. I'm just, I would consider it. And yeah. I, I have some reasons for Svechnikov also later in the show. Let's yeah. do it now. Why not? So Andre Svechnikov, eight points in five games to uh, start the season for the Carolina Hurricanes. Even though he's not been on the top line, he gets to play with Nechas. He's making Nechas a thing again. And also Kakaniemi. Who okay? So you, you would think like okay, that's, he's got to have his work a little bit cut out for him compared to if he was playing with Aho and Teravainen. But no, uh, he had one goal in the first game, then he had two goals in a couple games later, then three goals against Edmonton. Nothing against Calgary broke the streak. How did he have zero shots in that game versus Calgary? He had seven and six shots the previous games. I guess he just took a day off in this game versus Calgary yeah. on Saturday. But yeah, I'm not going to be too worried about that. But yeah, you have concerns about what Svechnikov is doing so far. Yeah, well, so one thing that would make me not want to deal him is because for Timo Meyer, if he if he doesn't get the points I want, he's going to give me the shots. But Svechnikov already gets the shots, so I try and like I, I would try and be trading a, a lower shooting player. But for Svechnikov, like he's getting turns with the top unit. He has three power play points in those turns, but there's been some mixing and matching on the power play. I don't think he's really on on that top unit. And Svechnikov has scored six goals on eighteen shots, so. Maybe I am tempted to say, okay, this guy's scoring on too many. Like, he's having the season everyone has dreamed of, but I don't know that it's really for real. Three power play points, given the, the deployment he's gotten so far on the power play, doesn't seem like something he's going to be able to keep up, nor is he going to keep up scoring on 33% of his shots. So maybe I do sell high on Svechnikov for someone who's likelier to be on the top power play all season long and 
in turn, likelier to surpass 80 points. And I think Timo Meyer ticks, ticks both those boxes. Wow. Okay. I, I could get behind maybe seeing what you can get for Svechnikov right now, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little more nervous about the Sharks than you, but you know, th- this is classic me, right? You're, I'm sure you're going to end up being right and like Kane's going to turn it around and Meyer's going to turn it around and I'm going to be like looking, trying to scrub my message history to not make it look like I told people to, to not go for these guys at the, at the value that How maybe, about yeah. Vladimir Tarasenko? For, for Meyer? Timo Meyer. Yeah. Man, it's tough. I like Tarasenko. Yeah. I don't know. How right. to, to well, well, and you glossed over Debrinkit, which means I think you agree with me. I guess so. I guess with Debrinkit, it's tricky because he's not like on the top power play. You know, whatever, but he takes so many shots. He's so good. And Ottawa kind of has two power plays. Tarasenko started the season with six points in three games. I mean, we could just go off forever. And here's, here's, I'll throw one more. I would hold Tarasenko. I'm just naming everybody. Okay. Landeskog. Trade Landeskog for Timo Meyer. I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, sure it does because Landis Cox out for twelve weeks. <laughs> yeah, do yeah. it. Okay, that, that's maybe someone's really up. confident they're going to make the playoffs. They're like, okay, fine, I'll take Landis Cog and be really happy with him when he comes back and not be stuck with an overpay you're joking, on Timo Meyer. Right? This is not actual advice we're giving. We're all in. We're all in different leagues, aren't we? Okay, if, 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 I don't think that's a trade that you can make. But hey, who knows? Brian, Brian's been in some crazy. Elon, you and I games. are actually going to talk trade. You and me later in this episode. I'm going to try and make a trade with you for someone on your team in a league we're in together. Okay. So, uh, so we'll actually be able to to go beyond assuming what the dynamic will be. All right. So, okay. Speaking of Gabriel Landeskog, yes, we got an update. The dude is going to be out 12 weeks after he underwent arthroscopic knee surgery on Monday. So good news for people who have Arturi Lekkonen on their teams. He's very likely going to hold this. Well, right now he's been on line one uh, with, you know, McKinnon and Rantanen, but also power play one. And I'd imagine he was the guy who was going to get bumped from that top power play or the prime candidate. But now he's got like three months to hold that power play spot unless he really blows it. Uh, of course, Brian, I guess we're not going to talk about McKinnon and Rantanen. They're awesome. Uh, instead, let's talk about the Avs leading scorer, Valerie Nichushkin. Should we just do every single player now? I'm going to be like, would you trade Nichushkin for Timo Meyer? Because Nichushkin scored versus Vegas uh, in their last game to bring him to six goals and five assists in six games. What is going on? Like five of those points, by the way, have come on the power play. That's why I'm very confident he's going to be holding that top power play spot. Seems like he's a key part there. He's also been taking a ton of shots on goal. Nichushkin has 21 shots now after six shots on Saturday. That's average of 3.5 shots per game. Like just la- two years ago, Nichushkin was nothing. And then last year, he emerged as someone like definitely worth a fantasy roster spot, even more than that, like a good solid guy to have on your team. He ended the season with a 69 point pace. Do you think that that was maybe just the tip of the iceberg? And now we're like witnessing Nichushkin entering like superstar territory or is this like the prime time to get a Timo Meyer? I don't want to say Timo Meyer again after this this one but like did get someone you know really huge in return cash out on everything he's been doing I'm gonna hold on to Val Nichushkin I think I'm really excited with what I'm seeing all those years in Dallas where he was lost in the desert Dallas is in the desert, but you know what I mean like he, he was in no man's land not getting the the deployment that we we felt he deserved based on the glimmers we'd seen and now Nichushkin is leading the league in points right now one more point than the aforementioned Sidney Crosby Nichushkin has points in all six of his games including four multi-point outings tack on an average of three and a half shots per game and Nichushkin is basically jumping into the draft territory that Timo Meyer was in this year right? Nichushkin, of course, has scored six times on 21 shots, so shooting 29% successfully. That's more than double his usual number. Um, One of the reasons he's that high is because, believe it or not, Val Nichushkin has taken four power play shots. Guess how many power play goals he has? 
Four. He scored on every single one of his power play shots. So I don't know why they just don't let him like give it to him. He'll score. That's how it works, right? But Nachushkin's five on five production hasn't changed. And that's actually something that's impressive this compared to last year, given that Nachushkin's playing with a couple guys new to the top six in Rodriguez and Newhook. So if Nachushkin can get 55, 60 points there, and I think he can, especially when Landeskog is back. That's going to improve his line mates one way or the other, right? That's awesome. And now that Nishushkin is on power play one, possibly, probably to stay, right? It's going to come down to him or Lekkonen. If he can pick up 20 to 25 power play points from there, we're in point per game territory. And I think that's, I think that's a decent baseline for what to expect. I think you could even expect 90 points from him this year if everything goes well. He's really good. I like him a lot. He's probably going to get drafted in the first two rounds next year. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're really all in. So great. So I guess if there's some people who maybe, you know, because in fantasy, I think there's someone who probably drafted Nichushkin is so excited and maybe is thinking, okay, now, just like what I asked you, is it time to cash in, try to trade him for someone who has a higher draft stock. So maybe now is your chance to go and, you know, trade someone for Nichushkin now before the manager realizes what kind of amazing asset he has in him. Uh, okay, but let's also talk about another guy on the Avs who's been doing really good lately, and that's Bowen Byram. Picked up an assist versus Vegas to bring him to four points in his last three games. He's got five points in six games on the season. He's been playing huge minutes on the top pairing with Makar with Devon Taves out. Taves is just day-to-day, so I don't know. But Byram is someone who we've known had a huge pedigree for a while. And we're kind of just waiting for him to get the opportunity and to be healthy. And it looks like he's got both right now. We got a tweet from Dylan asking, I'm looking to sell high on Byron right now. Would Wierenski be a good target? Or do you think I could aim a little higher? It's a standard points league. Uh, so I guess we could talk about Wierenski in a sec and compare the two. But are you believing in what we're seeing from Bowen Byron? Because on one hand, it's like, we're not supposed to see defensemen get so many points if they're not on the top power. But it's usually not how it works. But on Colorado, I guess it's, things are different there. Devon Taves is like a 70 point guy, right? So maybe Bowen Byram can do the same. Byram looks good. Of course, there's, there's always health concerns. Um, 50 points is seeming like an easy target for him, which is good. Like he's on a team that scores a lot. What can you say? So long as he can stay in the lineup, I think he's solid. Of course, he scored two times on nine shots, which isn't always going to happen. But even without that, I still think he can do, uh, he can get a 50 point pace if he's able to last year. Actually, I'm curious to see what kind of a shooter Byram is. He, he shot 10% from the blue line, which is a rare thing to do. And I'd love to see uh, him add to the sample size this year. So we have a sense of whether he's going to be your average D shooter at like five to 7% or if he's got something a little extra in the tank that most defensemen in the league don't have. Okay. And like I said in that tweet, he was asking about Byron versus Zach Wierenski. Wierenski off to a much slower start. Only one goal and one assist in six games. Though Columbus did play today, I'm seeing, against the Rangers. And they won 5-1. to one. Wow. Good for them. Who's in? Okay. that. Oh, yeah. Halak was in that. All right. That makes a little bit more sense. Wierenski scored a goal. Look at that on four shots. So, uh, but still, that only brings him to less than half point per game compared to Bowen Byron, who's almost at a point per game. Would you make that swap, Byron, for Wierenski, if you could? Yeah, easy. I love that idea. The problem for Wierenski going into this game is that Columbus is getting fewer power play opportunities than just about any other team in the league. And of the 14 power play opportunities they'd gotten over the first six games, they had scored on zero of them. So yeah, I would definitely uh, be happy to buy low on Wierenski. Columbus isn't getting on the power play when they are. They're not scoring. Perfect. Because they're going to get on the power play. They're going to score. Wierenski's going to be in on it. So I will happily take Wierenski over Byram. I'm going to flip one at you, Elon, based on a Mo Sider, who we talked to before. Who would you prefer? 
between Bo Byram and, and Moritz Sider. Yeah, I guess I'd go Sider. Maybe it's the kind of thing where we're missing out on this Byram breakout. It's happening and we're just not buying into it until it's too late. But yeah, give me Sider, who's like done it for a full season before. It was just so amazing. And Byram. Also, don't forget that right now Devon Taves has been injured. And so Byram's been playing on the top pairing. So we'll see what happens when Taves comes back. So, okay, I think we're on the same page here. I've seen you nod. Let's go to our next injury over in Winnipeg. Nikolai Ehlers is on the IR. We don't really know more than that, as far as I could find. Like, So he's going to miss a week, maybe. I don't know. So hopefully he's back soon. Not great for the Jets. They've lost their last two games. Now to Toronto and Vegas, to be fair. Maybe they would have lost those games, even if they had Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, in his absence, Mason Appleton. Remember him? Okay. So he's jumped on the top line to play with Connor and Shifley. And then Blake Wheeler took Ehlers' spot on the top power play. Uh, they kept that second line together of Wheeler, Dubois, and Perfetti. That hasn't changed. Uh, let's start with Blake Wheeler here. He was dropped, Brian, in your couple division after a slow start to the season. You spent 21 of your 100 fab dollars to acquire him. He assisted on a Pierre-Luc Dubois goal along with Perfetti yesterday, bringing him to zero goals and three assists in five games. Brian, do you think Wheeler still has it in him for another 75? point pace season like i expect john dropped him because he wasn't happy that his power play one spot had been taken from him and given to ehlers and i'd imagine ehlers gets it back when he returns so what does that mean for a full season of blake wheeler like do you think you've got a season-long hold here or is this just someone you want to grab for now while ehlers is out and then you'll see well i asked you that question before i decided on how much fab i was going to put down on blake wheeler last night and you thought he could be a season-long hold. And I said, yeah, I could see that too. And I upped my fab bid from $6. I'm already down to 71 out of my 100. I upped it to $21 all down the drain. Nobody else bid in my division on Blake Wheeler, even for free. No one wanted Blake Wheeler. After half the division, this Mike Cupful team, bid on Alexi Lafreniere last week, and he went for $15. So I don't know if I'm missing something or if these other 13 people are missing something. Maybe one thing they saw that they didn't like about Blake Wheeler is he's down about 90 seconds a night versus last year at five on five. But I also want to give the general caveat that five, even 10 games in, the time on ice is like can really fluctuate, right? Maybe a player's injured for a bit, or maybe there's scratch, or maybe there's a an unusual amount of special teams time one way or the other for the team, which can screw with all the numbers. So don't get too hung up on any time on ice trends you think you're seeing right now. And if you really think you're seeing them and they matter a lot to you, do some digging to see what happened. But yeah, um, the other downside for Blake Wheeler is that the the top power play spot he's had for eight years is now at best in jeopardy and at worst straight up gone. So I think... That's reason to be a little bit worried about Wheeler. But on the plus side, Wheeler's underlying numbers are reasonably steady. He's no goals on 12 shots yet. Um, So if you give him one, he's on a 65-point pace, and that's with no power play points. So yeah, I'll take a chance on him. I'm also going to be on snoozer watch with him in case he's a bust. But I think uh, I'm hoping, best case for Wheeler, 60-65 points without the top power play. But I really like his five-on-five situation, which is one reason I was going for him. I love the way Pierre-Luc Dubois is looking this year, and I think that bodes really well for Wheeler and Perfetti, uh, because Dubois just keeps looking better and better, and if he can 
pull them along with him, wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. Hey, Perfetti, uh, after a slow start to the year, now has points in three straight games. So Cole Perfetti is probably available in free agency in a lot of leagues, and he might be somebody you want to jump on. Yeah, in your shallower leagues, if Wheeler's out there, at least while Ehlers is out, take him when he's back on that top power play, right? But okay, let's do one more injury before jumping to some outjuries and hot streaks and cold streaks and all that. Uh, over in Florida, so I think Ben and Lewis already discussed this on short shifts, but Aaron Ekblad, out long term. Uh, so... That really stinks for them, of course. Uh, they've been running a five-forward power play. At least that's what they did in the 3-2 loss to Tampa on Friday. They played the Islanders today. Let's see what happened there. Okay, so the Islanders versus Florida ended with Florida winning 3-2. to And once again, yeah, oh no. Now Brandon Montour got back and played on the top power play. So there you go. It was Montour, Kachuk, Reinhardt, Bennett, and Bar... Wait, am I saying enough, guys? Barkov, Bennett... Reinhardt, Kachuk, and Monter. Okay, yeah, that adds up to five. Sorry, everyone. I'm not on very much sleep right now. But yeah, so I guess that's the situation. Big for Brandon Montour, right? Who, uh, it's been Gustav Forsling, who's been getting a lot of points for the team so far this year. But I guess, and I think actually, Ben and had this exact same conversation of who do you want between Forsling and Montour. I think either way, you probably kind of want both of them, just with the way the season has started and defense being so hard to find sometimes, especially ones that get you points. Because Forsling had points in four straight games going into today where he didn't get anything. And actually, no points for Montour either. Actually, let me check. Did Matthew Matthew Kachuk didn't get a point? Oh no, the first oh, game no. of the year. I thought the his streak gonna, is over. <laughs> he did take five shots. Uh, so that's the situation. And it was on Florida. I don't know, maybe for a second we could have talked about Patrick Hornquist on PP one, but obviously that's changed now with Montour back because he missed a little bit of time. So there you go. I don't have a question on Florida. Want to say anything about the Ekblad injury? It sucks for Ekblad, right? Like this guy, this has happened to him lots of times already. It's getting to a point where I think next year in drafts. People are really going to be fading him, and he might end up being the value pick of the year if he actually does play a whole season. Kind of like a Chris Letang used to be, right? Or he just fall in drafts even though he's good just because you're so afraid of all the time he's going to miss. Yeah, last year he missed like 20 games. The year before he missed over 30. The year before he missed, uh, well, actually only a few. So this is a recent trend. This is the third season in a row. We've seen a seemingly pretty serious injury to Ekblad, and I agree, Elon. He's getting a reputation as someone who gets hurt a lot, which might let him fall. A round or two, but realistically, I don't think anyone is going to let him fall that much. But that'll be for next year's ADPs to talk about. It's bad news for him. It's good news for Montour. And I guess Gustav Forsling is taking a lot of shots. I wonder if he'd be taking as many if Ekblad was still in the lineup. So uh, take a look at that Florida blue line to see if Montour or Forsling are available and helpful to your team. Yeah, by the way, I was going to mention Carter Verhage. I feel like you and Steve Laidlaw talked about him on that show last week, which was a great show, by the way. Thanks again, Steve, for coming on and crushing it. Uh, but yeah, you were talking about how, oh, don't worry about Verhage. He's still playing with Barkov. He'll be fine. And then like the next game, Verhage scored a couple goals. So you were probably feeling really good about yourselves. And I remember you tweeted being like, see, you should have listened to us about Verhage. You, we waited till... And then since then, he's once again gone pointless in his next like handful of games. So is this going to be the same thing again, where now you're going to say, don't worry, he'll be fine then he'll score two goals and then go quiet again or like like how long should these verhaggy managers be holding on hoping for the keeping carlson bump i'm gonna be honest i'm a little more worried today than i was last time but it is uh, strangely encouraging to see that at even strength um would you believe he is the only one who's scored a goal while he's on the ice he hasn't been if no one else is scoring when verhaggy's on the ice no one uh, I don't know what I'm saying here. You heard what I'm saying. He is the exclusive goal scorer. Two goals on the ice so far this year for Verhege. He scored both of them. So he hasn't had an opportunity to assist on anyone's either. Um, so I wonder if 
things just need to turn. Luck needs to turn. The Panthers are shooting four and a half percent with Verhege on the ice. And uh, yes, their expected goals numbers are significantly worse than they were last year when Verhege, with Verhege on the ice. But I'm just going to chalk this up to some early season shenanigans. And I'm hopeful that the whole line bounces back, including... Carter Verhage. <laughs> yeah, and, ma- yeah, maybe now I'm thinking that I'm not really doing this right in terms of like, because I guess the major story here is that Alex Barkov like, hasn't Bar- scored a goal. Like, he hasn't so scored a goal. If no Barkov goals, four assists in six games. Like, and, and he's only taken two and a half shots a game too. So I feel like there's some adjustment that Paul Maurice is making in Florida that's taken these guys some time to adjust to and figure out at five on five. And uh, it hasn't taken yet. I hope it does. I really hope it does. Sometimes a new coach comes in and screws things up. I, I'm I'm hopeful that that's not what's going to happen here with Barkov and Verhege and uh, well, and, and Sam Reinhardt. Yeah. Sam Reinhardt only has one assist in six games. I, I, yeah. I just flew over my head. I was only thinking about Carter Verhege for some reason. <laughs> yeah, who's probably in free agency around the world. But in in like shallower leagues, people are probably I, I don't know. I guess you're not dropping Barkov. At least he's getting some points. But like Sam Reinhardt. Also very concerning, but I got to imagine this is going to turn around. This must be a good opportunity to get these guys. Like, come on. We're talking top line, top power play, like superstars from, from last year and from recent history. Like Sam Reinhardt feels like someone that people should be knocking on doors trying to acquire, right? Yeah, again, these guys are shooting under 5% at 5-on-5 when they should be shooting closer to 9 or 10%. And they're not being as threatening as they were last season. So that's one of the reasons for the drop in shooting percentage. Um, And that's... That's disheartening, but it shouldn't be this bad, even with that drop in expected goals rates for the line. So expect some kind of bounce back. But I, I, my only worry is that whatever Paul Maurice is doing in Florida is going to put some kind of ceiling on what these guys can do compared to what we've seen them do the last couple of years. Oh, man. Paul Maurice. I don't know. Now I'm also seeing Adam M is saying in the chat, and I just looked it up to confirm that he's been affecting Radko Gudas's hits. Gudas isn't hitting as much anymore. What's happening? All you, all you had to do is walk into Florida and say, guys, just do what you were doing last year. I'm going to watch the playoff tapes. I'm going to come back to you with a plan. Maybe that maybe that's what they're already doing. I don't know, but it's... Uh, well, Huberdeau it's, probably helped a bit. It's, yeah, well, but defensively not. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. You're right. There's, there's a lot of personnel shifts, but Matthew Kachuk, I think, has blinded us to what everyone else is yeah. doing in Florida. He's doing well. Rudolph Balser is doing just fine. But that top line, oof, uh, I would be happy to try and buy low on any one of them, though. Yeah, I think I agree. And hey, Florida won today, which is good for them. But also, like, you don't want to see a team win with a bad situation because then it just means that the coach isn't going to change things around, right? So we'll have to maybe have to wait a little while for these, like, Florida top liners to start going again. All right, Brian, so this has been fun. We've covered a bunch of injuries and some other stuff. Uh, we've still got outjuries, hot streaks, cold streaks. Why don't we take a stop here and part one of the show? Uh, let people take a break. Maybe go and listen to the daily or whatever, you know, if I, I don't get your news fix. And then, <laughs> this wasn't a paid promotion, by the way. I don't know why I just said that. But anyways. I don't uh, know why either. I don't know. Maybe even on your network. You need to bleep that. Let me just say this, though. I think we're going to have a lot of good advice in part two. So I think I will recommend passing on the daily for now and going right to part two and checking out uh, all of the players we think are both on cold streaks that we have to figure out whether or not it's for real or not. I guess kind of like these guys on Florida. And then also maybe some more interesting guys that are getting points. We want to know if they're going to keep going. So we're going to get to all that in in, uh, part two of this mega episode. Hope you've been enjoying it so far. See you there. See you there.